Gede and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Um, today's episode, we have Raf from Duck and Quail Hunting Australia. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, yourself? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, where are you from, man? Uh, Melbourne, Victoria. Melbourne. Um, on Mornington Peninsula. It's on yep. the Bayside. Yep, nice. Beautiful. You've uh, definitely got some great hunting and fishing at your doorstep, that's for sure. I'm very jealous of all the public land around you. Yeah, we do, yeah. I'll, I'll have to probably travel oh, around about still a good hour to get into good hunting area, but um, fishing, good, I'm literally five k's down the road. A good hour. Oh, man, that's, that's the dream. <laughs> oh, to get into some good spots, I've got some um, spots where I train the dogs um, during the season, which are probably about half an hour, 40 minutes away. Um, but if you want to get into good hunting, you've got to tra- just travel that little bit further. Man, to get to any um, public land where I can hunt, I've I've got a good, uh, you know, nine-hour journey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a different story then, yeah. It is, it is. Uh, what do you do for work, man? Um, so I was previously an electrician running my own business, but um, now I'm actually working for an electrical wholesaler. So I'm on the other side of the counter selling products rather than installing them. Yeah, very nice, very nice. So, how did you get into hunting and fishing and all things outdoors? Uh, basically, just family tradition. Um, I'm the third generated um, generation. Um, it was brought um, into the family by my grandfather, yeah. and then passed down, obviously, by my father, and now to me. So, um, is that all just? Is it mainly waterfowl and wing wing hunting, or? Look, I'm passionate about just getting outside. So I. Main focus is duck and quail hunting. Um, that's what I've always um, primarily done and um, try my best to yeah, get out as many times as I can during our three-month season that we've got for both of them. But um, I have been branching out on the Samba um, and fallow deer the last couple of years just to get out there and um, basically experience what other species of game animal there is. That's great to hear. Yeah, this Samba country, man, at your doorstep, that's uh... – very yep. lucky, and they're a beautiful eating and fun to hunt animal, that's for sure. They are, yeah. So, duck hunting, what what draws you to it? What is? Uh, just basically just just getting out with a good group of guys. Um, sometimes we get ducks, sometimes we don't. Um, just basically watching the, the last probably eight to ten years I've, I've worked with gun dogs, so just watching them get out and their passion as well. Um, and like obviously a dog working um, properly, you can't really beat um, the side of that. So basically, I do it for myself and also for um, well, a young pup I got now, Halo. Um, she's probably a year and a half, so she needs to get out as much as she can. Yeah. Um, basically, just rewarding her with a duck at times, or um, yeah, trying to get her to find quail. Um, just yeah, just something I love doing. What dog breeds are you running? Um, so German Shorter Pointers. Um, just basically a good all-round gun dog. Um, basically, everyone has their different um, opinions on gun dogs, but I've always had German shredder pointers, so I've always sort of stuck with them. Um, 
just because I do broad range of hunting. So this young pup, um, she's the third German Shredder point I've had now. I've, I've just started to train her on the Samba deer as well. So very nice. Um, it's just a, it's just a breed that's versatile for all sort of game species. So I've got a mate who's currently training. I think he's got a golden retriever. Um, do yep. you have any tips? So he he's up in Queensland, so he doesn't get onto the waterfowl heaps. But I think he wants to jump across the ditch to New South Wales and do some do some waterfowl hunting over there. Do you have any tips to training dogs? Uh, the biggest tip for training any dog is probably the first thing off would be obedience. Definitely um, sit, stay, come. Just the commands. Yeah. Um, to start off with, so yeah, he's um, he's ha- he's having pretty good sex success with um like retrieving a tennis ball and dropping a tennis ball. But when he oh beautiful, yeah, when he starts, you know, he he's I think he's been using um just like the retrieving fake ducks you get. Once once yep, he gets onto yep. that, he the dog doesn't want to <laughs> doesn't want to let go. So he's still yeah. There's there's a few ways. Um, I've always used um a. Uh, basically what I've used is if we're going to train it for quail or for ducks, I've actually used a whole frozen bird. Yeah. Uh, and basically it's got the scent on it so they know what they're basically looking for when they do go out into the field. Um, and being frozen, they're not going to bite down onto it too hard. Obviously it's going to numb their gums. But um, basically it just gives them a bit of a soft mouth. Um, being a – what was it? A golden retriever, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Obviously – uh, a duck um, breed, so it should be good in the water side of it, um, and it should be good with retrieving. Very nice. Um, so, what what type of gear are you taking out when you're going out duck hunting? What's your main setup? Uh, definitely would be um, decoys. Um, so, I normally run on a small little swamp, probably half a dozen on big open water. Uh, could be up to 50, 60 decoys if it's a big splash of water. Um, so that's attracting the ducks into range for us to get a, a, a good shot. Um, obviously, duck callers, uh, waders, um, because it does get chilly if you're trying to wade in with footy shorts, and I, I've got the <laughs> waders a few times. And uh, it's not the best walking in the early morning, um, sometimes at like one or two degrees in footy shorts. Um, yeah, that does not sound yeah, fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably uh, a lot of people, if they're hunting on land out of out of fields and stuff, a layout blind, uh, which is like basically just a camouflage swag, which you'll sit in there and put silhouettes and decoys around you and, yeah, shoot out of land. Um, basically, what else were we running? Uh, duck sled. So obviously sled you pull behind you with all your gear in it, um, try and keep it dry. Uh, and probably the last one would be the Bushman's insect repellent is a must when you're out in the, <laughs> in the swamp, probably out anywhere hunting. Um, yeah, we, we do get a lot of mosquitoes and, um, insects and stuff when you're out on the, on the wetlands. Yeah. I do a fair bit of bow fishing in the backwaters here in South Australia. And yeah, those, those mozzies do eat you alive when you're out, <laughs> out knee deep in the, in the backwater. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. They get pretty bad. So, with your decoys, are you running multiple different species when you're all, all you know, Pacific black duck or what? What are they look, mainly I've, look I've, like? I've got a mix. Like I've got basically all the game species that we sort of have. I have in the de- in the decoy spread. But to be honest, um, I always throw in 
normally majority are black duck. They're a little bit larger than the teal and that, and obviously um, a little bit easier um, to throw out because they are being a large size. Um, so I normally have it maybe six six of them would be black duck, maybe two or three teal just to change the, the shape um, of them, and also two or three large-bodied mountain duck I throw in the spread as well Very just nice. to break um, break it all up. What about swans? I um, see a few of my mates over in New Zealand. They'll they'll chuck a couple of swan decoys out. And uh, yeah, no. Nah, yeah, I, I know you're not allowed to shoot swans, but just to break up the the, it, the it pattern. Is, it, I've got mates that run swans, but um, to be honest, he puts four swans in the back of his um, tinny when he's driving around. Takes up the whole yeah. half the tinny. No, so <laughs> I try to just sort of pack what I can bring in and out um, easily. Yeah. But um, people do run them. I just yeah prefer. Them. I've got. The mountain duck large body um, body decoys that we've got um, is sort of what I can sort of carry and comfortably carry in and out of a swamp. Yep, that makes sense but for sure. I hate doing return trips um, to and from swamp, especially when it's um, pitch black at night trying to pick up all the decoys and do several trips back to the car. Yeah, that, it would not be fun. Um, with um, your duck goals, what are what are you running there? I've got a friend from the States who actually has a duck call company. So I've been Hi. been listening to a, a fair bit of that. He's been sending in the uh, guys in New Zealand have been asking for, for a few calls for over there. Um, is there specific oh, yeah, Australian no. makers or are you getting US? Look, I've got um, – I've actually got a, a, a personalised timber handcrafted um, – caller that i've got um a mate of mine did make it um being timber I, I noticed they do give a bit better sound than the plastic sort of synthetic ones yeah um i've basically i've got i run a uh, duck commander teal call which seems pretty good on the teal um basically just for teal it's a bit raspy um and they sort of it does sound more like a teal but just to get like a, a mountain duck or a black duck i've noticed the timber callers give a little bit more of a pitch rather than a raspy sound. So yeah. I've got, I normally just only take out the two, two calls with me. Very nice. Yeah. My um, mate from the States, he um, runs one season gear. So he, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. They're a, you know, medium size company start starting out and he's doing, doing pretty well, but they're um, pretty keen into their waterfowl. So that's why I've gone, gone towards doing a waterfowl podcast so that they could hear yeah, a bit more I have, about... I have heard of them before, actually. So, yeah, I might actually, yeah, get in contact and give their, call, yeah. their calls in the future. Yeah, well, that's uh, Logan or the Duck Daddy, he calls himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Love, loves his waterfowl, that's that's for sure. What would you, like, just in a backpack you're taking out, do you take a backpack out with you? What do you usually have in it if you do? For duck hunting, not preferably take out a backpack because obviously if it gets wet then everything else and it gets wet but yeah. um we do i do take uh, i've got a ammunition box a plastic one um which i normally have in in the duck sled um normally with a, a box of spare um ammo normally a bottle of water possibly a duck hanger um, and then probably a few milo bars or muesli bars um, depending on how long we're going to be out for. Good couple snacks to keep you going. That's oh, I know, and especially when you're on the caller as well. If it, it does wear you out when you're tr- trying to call in groups of birds that are uh, 100 or 200 meters up in the air. Yes, yes, I bet. <laughs> what would your um, top five dream hunts be? 
like would it wouldn't do you have like waterfowl destinations uh, or definitely i wouldn't mind shooting mallards over in america with the semi-autos because obviously we don't have them over here um and with a man-made hide that they've got over there i've, I've been watching a lot of well there is a lot of um youtube videos um over in the states and some of the hunting over there is um is unbelievable um very much also so. yeah i would i would love to um probably hunt canadian geese in the winter out of a layout blind i know everyone's like oh you wouldn't want to hunt in the snow but i've, <laughs> I've watched some of the um videos they got over there and it's, it's yeah probably a dream hunt that i would like to do over there it's pretty cool watching them pop up from the layout blinds how they have them set up i like watching yeah. um when they're out hunting sandhill cranes yeah 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 no, it would be different sort of we, – we have nothing like that over here besides no. probably out and ducks out of a layout line. But yeah. You can, uh, Canadian geese probably the double double the size of our largest um, game species that we've got. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a big bird. Um, the uh, guys in New Zealand get onto them quite a bit. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty sure with them, they've got no seasons, no, no nothing on them. It's introduced species, so you pretty much blast away from my understanding anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think over New Zealand they do. They still have a season over there. Um, they do. They they haven't got um, the Canadian geese. I think they've got uh, paradise duck, um, which are over there. But um, New Zealand um, do have a, a season. Um, yeah, they they have a duck season for their native species, but um, I'm pretty sure they've got they've got actually a feral population of Canadian geese over there that um is hunting. That, oh, that they can. Yeah, they can take shot at. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. leading on to your um, where you're talking about semi-automatics, one of the questions I had from one of my mates, um, if you had the legal ability to hunt with a semi-auto or pump, which would you choose? What would be more beneficial definitely, for? Definitely would be a, a five Browning semi-auto if we could get them back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had them, and I I remember my granddad and my dad um, having one and. Uh, my granddad loved that gun, um, and then he had to back in '96 had to hand it in. I've yeah, basically never seen him cry until he had to hand that gun in. Um, so it's the only time I've actually seen him tear up when he had to hand the um, A5 in. I bet, I bet. Um, when I went over to Mexico, I, I I did some quail shooting with um, a pump action, and it's just like, oh, it'd be so nice to have one of these over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Unfortunately, yeah, it's. Yeah, they've got a lot of regulations with what we can have over here. Yeah, it's it's a real shame, like seeing all the the um, Americans and then you know even the Kiwis. They they have um, much better firearm laws than than us, especially yeah, when it, yeah. It comes to shotguns and all of that. So in Australian bird hunting, um, do you do you prefer a lever action, pull action, or um, under and over, side by side? What's your um, go-to uh mine my go-to is a under and over shotgun on the ducks yeah um a 30 inch barrel uh, i'm running carlson waterfowl chokes um just because they pattern really good out of the shotgun that i've got which is a moroku and for the quail hunting side of it i've got a another moroku which is a side by side which i just find easier for shot placement on the quail when they take off yep so i do run a couple shotguns are you running all 12 gauges or? Yeah, yeah, all 12 gauges. And what type of um, ammunition are you running? Because you can't 
use lead for waterfowl. Am I correct? Correct. That? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have to run steel um, out on the swamps, obviously for duck hunting. Um, so normally twos, threes in the steel um, is what we normally use. And then obviously for being out on the quail, a lighter load like eights or nines, which we don't have to use steel, um, so we use lead shot for them. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Um, so what's the regulations with duck and quail hunting through Victoria? Look, the last well, few years now, it, it changes. So they change, they've changed the season lengths, uh, they've changed bag limits, obviously bringing steel shot in a few years ago now. Um, it's It just chops and changes at the moment. Um, there's, there is a lot of regulations within game species which have taken another bird off the list this season, which is a hard head. Yeah. Um, they had blue wing previously. Um, but, yeah, they, basically it always gets regulated. Every season sort of different in regards to bag limits. It just depends on the breeding and the seasonal um, on what they decide uh, we're going to have. Yeah, it's the same here in South Australia from my understanding. Um, I, I I personally don't go duck hunting because it clashes with the with the fallow deer, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, me personally, if I've got, got the choice between a couple of ducks, especially when our um, bag limits here in South Australia are just, you know, I think there are a couple ducks for the day. I can't, can't even remember yeah. what the the bag limit was for the day but you know choosing that between a a full-grown fallow buck <laughs> I, I know what's going to freeze oh well, yeah i could imagine if I, I can imagine if i was getting into fallow deer and there was some a decent buck getting around i probably wouldn't <laughs> swap a duck hunt for a, for, a, for a fallow buck hunt but yeah i've I'll been just try it, yeah i've been try saying oh sorry yeah i've been saying for the last couple of years i've i've been wanting to go out but it just yeah our se- the season clashes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you can get out in the future. Yeah, I've, I've been keen to. I, I got a um, under and over a couple of years back. I need to go sit my wits. I'm not sure what you call your waterfowl identification test over, oh, yeah, over there. Test, yeah. Wits is the same same here then. Um, yeah, yeah, but I've been meaning to do it. It's just, <laughs> yeah, again, clashes. They need to, need to move the season so it's out of the rut. <laughs> yeah, oh, hopefully one day you'll get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what about quail hunting? What's the regulations and is that all very similar? So quail, quail hunting, no, it actually, it, it's always stayed the same. So it's always the first weekend in April and the last day in June is the, is the closing season and it's, uh, well, for my time, the last 20 years, it's always been 20 birds per day. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Occasionally when I'm out on my fallow blocks, I'll, I'll run into a couple couple of quails and never seen them in abundance, but, you know, you'll be walking through the long grass and you'll flush Thank a couple or even going out spotlighting, we'll be looking for rabbits and hares and foxes and then you'll just drive through a certain patch and a couple of quails will spring up. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I I didn't even know they were in the area till a few years ago when we were out spotlighting. I'm like, I think that was a quail. It just launched <laughs> up. No, when you hear the wing beats take off and they do the flush. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's very cool. So what, what species of quails can you chase over in Vic? So we've only got the stubble quail over here, um, which we're allowed to hunt. Uh, occasionally come across a native brown quail. Uh, but they do fly a little bit – they can be mistaken, but they do fly a little bit differently. And obviously when they do fly, they've got the bright orange legs that hang sort of down. 
Um, so, yeah, you just got to be careful if you are in those areas not to, to mistake them for a stubble quail. Yeah. Um, what about duck species? What what have you been um, legally allowed to chase? Uh, so it, it does get um, – it obviously does get regulated, but there used to be eight game species. Now I think there's only – what have we got? Black duck, Pacific black duck, wood duck, mountain duck, grey teal, chestnut teal, pinky duck – Hardhead, we used to be like last season. We were when we could get out last season. Um, we were allowed to chase it, but this year they've taken it off the list. Um, not a hundred percent sure why, because to be honest, I've seen probably the most hardhead I have this season um, than I have in the past three to four seasons. I've seen hardhead around in good numbers. Yeah, I've seen a seen a few uh, posts about that. Um, you know. A, Leading up to the the duck season, when they they made that decision at the last minute, from what it seemed like, anyway. Um, yeah. How was so in Victoria for the international listeners and anyone that doesn't really pay attention to to duck hunting in Australia? Um, how was it with protesters in the wetlands? Uh, I unfortunately missed opening this year um, due to having a newborn <laughs> um, it's actually due on on the 16th which was our official duck opening this year which was a wednesday which is normally traditionally the third saturday of uh, march yeah um where we were hunting uh well, where the boys were hunting there was active protesters in the vicinity um they didn't have any interference with them but sometimes it does yeah obviously get a lot of confront confrontation um with hunters and we just but basically just got to sort of bite the bullet um, because, yeah, it, it does get heated at times. Bite the bullet and bite your tongue, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and just make sure that you, yeah, just do the right thing while you're out there. Like, like there's, a, there's a particular swamp this year that they've been out there. I've heard out they've been there every weekend of the season um, oh, wow. for the last 12 weeks on it. Yeah, I haven't seen too many um, Facebook posts. Usually... Um, you know, Hunting Australia and a few of the groups are riddled with um, the protesters, yep. you know, photos, videos. Um, you know, you get the really bad ones where they're letting tyres down and, you know, a year, yeah, or, two correct. Yeah. year, year or two ago, I, I read posts about um, protesters smearing human faeces over doors and cars. and Yeah, any way that they can sort of, yeah, <laughs> they can... Um, do anything to sort of affect our hunt or what we do that they will try it um basically this year you probably haven't seen too much because i think a lot of the hunters have been turned off with the four bird um bag limit basically it's it's i've noticed a lot less hunters getting out there especially with the wednesday opening which is unfortunate because yeah like in a good year if we have a full bag you, you should see some of the swamps full of hunters um, juniors just getting out there and just doing what they love. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, the last, I would say, three to four years, it, it has been very hard on us. Do you think a lot of the um, laws introduced and the change-ups of uh, dates and shooting times, do you think that's more of a political move than a, like a um, biological, like a... In, in my opinion, it is, it is uh, because I know that a lot of a lot of the Greens have seats up in like in the um, Parliament up there. So 
basically the Wednesday opening, I don't believe it's all part of their plan, but um, hunting organisation did bring it up to start it on a Wednesday to stop the conf- confrontation yeah. of hunters and protesters. So that was a few years ago that that was brought up. Um, and they've actually, that's probably one thing that the um, GMA have listened to and then they've kept it on a Wednesday, which unfortunately I don't agree with that because um, we're all about keeping the family tradition and juniors and, and trying to keep them passionate about hunting. And you think about it, if you're 12 years old, you've got your junior firearm licence and you want to get out there, it's, it's going to be very hard. It's going to clash with your schooling yeah. to get out Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. But, hey, if you've got, got good parents, you know, I'd sure make um, <laughs> I'd sure make make a, an example of taking them out on that Wednesday. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just yeah, hard to with work and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I understand, man. Um, do you think that um, the game wardens and police deal with protesters in the wetlands accordingly, or do you think the penalties are just kind of a slap on the wrist and? Because what's that? What's that main fella? Um, something. Oh, like Lord, Levy. Yeah, yeah, dude. Because yeah. he's he's been out there every year for as long as I can remember. Um, correct. You correct. Know? Yeah. So obviously the punishments that they're getting aren't doing anything. You know, they're they're out there. You know, harassing law-abiding citizens. You know, while breaking well, the law. That's right. We're doing a legitimate. Um, we're doing a legitimate um, pastime, and basically. They're there to stuff up and sabotage the hunt now. Exactly. It's only three months if we get a good season that we're out there doing it. But um, hunters in the in the background all year round are doing stuff. Like we're doing conservation. We're doing nesting boxes. We're, to be honest, most of the time when I go up, I'll make sure I pick up an extra bag of rubbish yeah. um, that's left. And they, it's just basically duck season. You'll see them at the swamps um, trying to harass us. I, I don't believe there is enough – punishment towards them because they get a slap on the wrist or they're banned from a wetlands till next season. Um, but I yeah. believe that it should it should be a significant fine because we do cop fines for doing the wrong thing. 100%. So we, we do cop severe fines if we are obviously shooting early, shooting lead shot on, a, on uh, during duck season and stuff like that. So I think that the punishment for these guys um, basically should be increased and it should be more heavier, heavy – regulated um just to stop incidents from happening definitely um they've got hunter harassment laws in the states so if you know if this type of thing happened in the states these people would be punished heavily you know as Correct. much as yeah, that's what we should have over here the same sort 100%. of concept you know we're we're paying money we're bringing money to an area you know these small towns they're getting an influx of people buying food ammunition Petrol, diesel, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, take away all of that at over the duck season, and then you know you get these people trying to sabotage. You know, it's not just sabotaging the hunters getting free range food for their freezers, spending quality time with friends and family outdoors. You know, but they're also sabotaging. You know, the money that we're bringing to these areas. Yeah, that's right. Like I know small little towns that basically have a wetland or something, and when it does finally have water in there, um, they they basically survive on the three-month income that hunters bring to those little rural towns and communities, 
and they they look forward to us um, being there and having these, um, like obviously spending in these rural towns, we buy fuel, alcohol, ammunition, everything. But when we sort of get harassed, get reduced season limits, um, and a heavily restricted season, it sort of does turn hunters off going out there, um, just because it's it's so heavily regulated that. It, everyone's going to make mistakes, but you're just worried in the back of your head that something's going to happen. And especially being a junior out there, if you're going to have a junior who's 12 years old and trying to introduce him into hunting um, and having these antis there in his face, waving banners and stuff around within 50 metres, um, then it, it, it sort of turns everyone off, the whole hunting aspect of it. Exactly. Stealing ducks as well, you know. I've heard stories of them running running down immature swans and claiming that they've yeah. been shot and injured and, um, yeah. you know, Correct. stealing the ducks and then taking them to go into the city and doing the protests on Parliament House steps and oh, all It's all just it's... their tactic. I, I, I've heard that they've actually been out in gun clubs collecting empty shells and then bringing them to Parliament to show yeah. that they've that this is what they've found in a wetland, like... It, any tactic that they can to stop it, they will. It, it, it's, a, it's a real shame. Um, yeah, I just, like you said, I wish there was um, better punishments for these these people, you know. I'm, I'm all for free speech, but when you're impacting people doing something that's completely legal, they're paying to do it, you know, they're putting free-range meat in their freezer, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Like sure, just yeah. the just the benefits of being outdoors and shooting and all of that, like just the mental clarity, it brings you why you're out. And these people want to ruin, <laughs> they want to ruin yeah, that by I'm, bringing all this negativity yeah. out there. <laughs> Works me up a bit, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But um, let's move on to a lighter note, you know. It can be pretty depressing talking about how, how hard it is with the anti-hunters. Um, new people in the sport. What's your top beginner tip for getting into waterfowl hunting? Uh, top beginning tip would definitely be um, probably get a, 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 a decent shotgun um, and adapt to the shotgun that you've got. Um, and, yeah, basically involve yourself with other passionate hunters um, it's sort of helped me along the way and they basically give tips and insights to different sort of hunting aspects. Uh, and yeah, basically the last one I could recommend is probably never go, never go out on a hunt to expect to, to get something to go out for duck and quail. And if you obviously go out for a hunt, don't expect always to come back with any, um, food, just go out there for the experience. Yeah, that's. That that's hunting in general, you know. Otherwise, yeah. it'd be called shooting. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Like to be honest, some of the best hunts that I've had, I actually haven't even fired a shot. Yeah, um, it's just being out there. Either they're, they're more memorable. Like um, basically, I've been out there where I've been chasing quail, and I've literally there has been a lot in the paddock, and I've just basically used that paddock just to train the dog. And I still remember that to this day. There was that many birds in there and the dog was literally lying on her belly i've never seen a hunt like that before but it was i didn't even fire a shot that day that's awesome uh, so yeah just basically go out for the experience um do you do any like clay clay pigeon shooting and skeet shooting to get your eye in and 
keep it in during the year or? Occasionally I will, um, maybe once or twice a year. Normally before a duck season or quail season, I might go out and shoot a couple of clays. Um, I used to shoot competitive when I was younger, um, shooting at um, national squad. But then I basically, yeah, whenever I can, um, I will get a chance to get out and shoot clays. But, uh, yeah, maybe once or twice a year, just before the season approaches, I normally get out there. So do you think it's a good idea for someone to go join a club and start doing clay pigeon shooting and skeets oh, and that before they yeah. actually go out on birds? Yeah, definitely. Not just to get their eye in, but obviously to um, get suited to the gun that they've got. So obviously if you've got a new gun, um, you want to sort of adapt to how it shoots um, and basically the range that you can shoot it at. So I would definitely recommend uh, – I know when I buy all my guns or whatever, I always go and go down to the range just to see how, how they um, do shoot and basically how they, how I react with it because um, every, every gun that you get does shoot differently. Yeah. So what about – like club wise, is there any like duck hunting clubs or waterfowl quail hunting clubs throughout Victoria that people can go go join or anything? I know you run um, Duck and Quail Hunting Australia on Facebook and you have a website. Do you know if there's any clubs or because you know you've got ADA for deer hunting and yeah, 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 yeah. You've also got um, like field and game for um, d- duck hunting. Um, also, you've got um, double S double A. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they're sort of um, clubs that you could possibly join up to. Awesome. Um, what about top five items for a beginner getting into duck and quail hunting? Oh, top five. Definitely a decent shotgun. Um, you'll need that. Uh, so when you say you decent, put- sorry, when you say decent shotgun, what do you – what do you mean by that? You know, I've I've just got a cheapy secondhand um, Lorona or what whatever they're called. Um, you yep. know, six seven hundred bucks secondhand. Um, what what well, would you my recommend? First, my first gun was a secondhand Hammy Down as well. But if you if you're going to be doing um, duck and duck and quail hunting like permanently, I would suggest to get it. Look, not doesn't have to be a top of the range. Like we we all run Morokus, which. I think the last MK70 that I bought was 1200 bucks a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but the only reason I say is get a decent one is so you basically shoot that gun and you can use it and you're happy with it instead of just chopping and changing guns all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like shotguns, you can go up to eight, ten grand if you wanted to spend that sort of money. But yeah, just something shotguns sort of ridiculous. decent or even a good second, if you could find something uh, reasonably cheap secondhand that you're going to be happy with and shoot with. Um, and it just saves you chopping and changing guns every year because I remember when I was chopping and changing guns all the time, um, I, w- I wasn't happy with how I was shooting, so I just sort of stuck to the one and, yeah, just worked with it. Very nice. So what other beginner tips? So good shock, shotgun uh, – sorry, items, not tips. Uh, yeah, so basically for duck hunting, obviously, yeah, duck caller, whether you want a synthetic plastic one or a timber one, just – whatever just practice and there is a few youtube videos as well of how to do different sort of gay species calls um waders don't have to be top of the range ones but just as long as you've got waders that are going to keep you dry um decoys i'm not uh if you can get a dozen you get six or seven and just sort of have them out there like i said they sort of bring the game bird to you um and you can get them in 
reasonable shot distance. Any uh, um, decoy brands or anything in a, in Australia that you'd be looking out for? Um, well, I've got fallen ones, which a bloke used to bring in, um, which I've had for years. I've got GHC ones. Uh, I've got a mixture of decoys, half of them mine, some <laughs> I've swapped baits. I've, I've, I've probably, to be honest, pushing 70, 80 decoys at what I've got at home. That's um, but just basically anything that sort of looks like a game bird, like a duck up in the air, isn't going to say, oh, that's a mallard duck sitting there um, when it's a black duck. They're not going to really know. It's just sort of to get them attracted to basically the spot and the range that you want to hunt them to. Very nice. Uh, so decoys, calls, shotgun. Yeah. Um, I would actually recommend, if you're new to it, to get earmuffs. Um, I haven't had earmuffs when I was younger hunting and I'm nearly 30 now, but um, the last few seasons when I get home, I notice my ears start to ring. Yeah, it's, um, so, it's, it's not a good feeling. I've I've been looking to out to get some uh, noise-cancelling ones for when I'm out shooting the 300 wind mag. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's just, yeah, that's definitely a must. Um, with my young one when I'm taking them out, I'm, I'm getting earmuffs straight away. So, um yeah, just the last few years I've noticed when I get back um, and I have fired a few shots that my ears start to ring, yeah. um, which isn't really a good sign. So I've actually got earplugs that I've, I've just been using, but I think it's <laughs> probably a little bit too late now. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the same thing. You're laying in bed and it's, when's this ringing going to stop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes like it'll keep you up all night. Just, yeah, um, not when I'm out in the duck swamp and I'm, I'm obviously worn out and sleeping the swag. I do not notice it, but as soon as I come home and it's it's starting to get a bit of quiet, uh, you can hear them start ringing. Yeah, it's not good. It's something that uh, we need to start drilling into younger generations to do, especially when you've got all these noise cancelling ones. Yeah, definitely. Now you yeah, can still hear and you know, I I don't think I know anyone that actually hunts with with earmuffs or anything. You know. Just because of that noise aspect, when you're out hunting, you want to be able to hear hear the game moving around and what's happening around you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So here's an, a little bit unrelated one. What yep. would your zombie apocalypse weapon be? Uh, on the on the theme of shotguns, it'll definitely be a, probably A5 Browning yep. um, with probably solid slugs or buckshot. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something heavy. That'd work nicely. I reckon, yeah. um, what are those shotguns called, the fully automatic ones, the AA-12 that have uh, <laughs> no no oh, re- yeah, recoil yeah. whatsoever that, pretty much. That should do some damage. <laughs> yeah, just a just a bit of a question to break up the questions and have a, something a little bit silly yeah. in there. Um, it got me thinking then. I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it, it does most. We've had all sorts of answers from bladed weapons to blunt objects to <laughs> you name it. Uh, if I thought about it over tonight, it'll probably be di- different bloody <laughs> answer, but yeah. So what have you forgotten on a hunting trip? Forgotten? Uh, ammo. One duck <laughs> open, I did forget ammo. I didn't forget. I have never forgot a shotgun because that's normally the first thing that I'd I remember that's there, but I have gotten ammo on a duck opening once. Um, and basically, yeah, it was 
got up to the duck swamp, forgot all ammo for, for ducks, um, and literally had to swap my mate. I think it was a six pack for a box of shells to get me through that morning. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> I still remember that. I was, yeah. Definitely one you won't be forgetting anytime soon. And I doubt oh, you'll I wasn't be... missing out. It was a good opening too that we had um, as well. So I probably would have paid a hundred bucks for a box of shells that are worth twelve bucks down here. Does that mean that half of your limit goes to, <laughs> goes to him because it was all his well, shells? <laughs> I think he did. He did claim one of the nicer ducks that I shot that morning. But um, yeah, I just yeah, it was just one thing. I was you sort of your heart gets pacing the build up towards duck opening, um, and that that was when it was back on the Saturday. And I remember it was that whole week. I had everything packed, ready to go, and it was just basically the guns and ammo which are locked away. Yeah. Um, and they normally the last two things that go out and I was excited to get the gun out and I had the ammo out and I've left it on the kitchen bench and <laughs> they went out. <laughs> it wasn't until I actually got there, I, I just realized I didn't have it. That, that would have sucked. Yeah, we but, one, of, one of the past guests, he was going out deer hunting and yeah, they he'd, he'd forgot his ammo. Guns in, forgot ammo for both rifles. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm not the only one then. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I've heard, you know, uh, I'm, I can't remember what your laws are in uh, Vic for bolts in rifles. Here we're yep. allowed to keep our bolts in, but um, the states that uh, you're not allowed to, I've heard people, you know, driving three, four hours out to their deer block, grab their rifle out and they don't have a bolt. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That'll be shattering. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be. Um, what's the most sketchy, dangerous things to happen when you've been out, out hunting? Um, sketchiest. Oh, actually, I got one. Um, it'll, it'll be down South Oz actually a few years back. Um, we were duck hunting over there, um, down at Lake Bonnie, just out of Millicent. Yep, very beautiful spot. But, um, yeah, we we decided it was it was warm weather because their duck season opened a month before ours over here, so it opened in Feb. And um, we went out. We had to. We had a channel to cross, and we obviously didn't have the tinny. Um, so basically, we swam across the channel the morning. Um, it was fairly warm, and just had the duck sled pulling behind us with our ammo guns in it. And then at night time, it was a bit chilly, so we decided we had a fairly large duck sled. Um, a mate of mine's like, "Oh, I wonder if we can paddle across, so we don't have to get wet because it was a bit <laughs> cold." And um, he made it through. Um, obviously, I forgot to take my ammo belt off when I went. So I had a little bit extra weight on me and <laughs> probably about three quarters of the way through, it's just started filling up with water. Oh no. <laughs> so I started obviously panicking. Um, we had both guns across cause he got them across the first time. And then it basically started filling up pretty quick. So I was lucky to get out of that one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I still never forget that. Um, yeah, it was, it was just basically one of those moments where your sort of heart sinks. You're like, do I paddle quicker? Do I just get out and try and swim? Like, <laughs> um, I still remember it just filling up. So that was another rookie ammo mistake. Like, <laughs> he looked at like, you got two belt, uh, belts of um, ammo on these. Like, that's probably what's weighing you down. <laughs> Lucky it wasn't there, eh? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I would have hit the bottom and you wouldn't have seen me. Yeah. Um, so going off of one of the posts on um, – Duck and Quail Hunting Australia's Instagram. 
Yep. Favorite yep. thing to ho- cook when with duck and quail. I seen. Um, was it you that cooked the the dish with the uh, ducks and the orange juice? We do. Yeah. I I I basically see an idea and I'll give it a crack. Um, I did. Uh, that was last night actually. I I had a um a couple of teal that we shot over the weekend that I fully plucked whole. Um, and basically I I got a tip off a mate to cook them in an orange juice um, and always keep moisture in the bottom of the um, of the pot. So I did that um, basically for about two hours on about 2.20 and then obviously add veggies in afterwards. And, yeah, the two hours normally gets gets them cooked pretty good where it's sort of fallen off the bone. Um, it looked pretty good with the, the end result with all the veggies in the bottom of the pan. Yeah, the yeah, you've got to have a sort of side with it. Um, that was – one of the ways that we sort of cook ducks, I normally, to be honest, normally with ducks, I normally schnitzel them. Um, so I just basically breast them out and just butterfly them and schnitzel them, Beautiful. put them in breadcrumbs, fry them. Um, but I do take my time with the quail when I do cook it because um, that's probably one of my favourite game species to eat would be quail. There's, um, a, there's a really nice quail recipe in the um, Stephen Ranella Meat Eater cookbook. Um Oh, there is. I, I cooked one up a while back, just with um, some store-bought quails from the yep, butcher. Yep. Um, oh, it was beautiful. Oh, I have to take a photo and send it through. Yeah, to you. you'll have to send me that one because I, I've just basically gone to my my go-to is, yeah, pluck the quail, keep the skin always on them. Um, I know it's always with the skin they don't dry out, and then just wrap them in streaky bacon, a uh, little bit of olive oil in the bottom for the first maybe half an hour on about two hundred. Um, and then about an, within an hour, at a 200 degrees, just add some um, diced tomatoes, tomato paste in there. Just to, it's always got to have that moisture at the bottom. And then basically with the bacon as well, um, they just basically fall off the bone within within an hour. Beautiful. Do you spatchcock many many of the quail or and barbecue them like that, or do you just normally I, cook them whole in I the I have oven? I have um, done it a few times, like just basically marinate them in like a peri peri sauce. Yeah, that's that's similar to what the the one in the Ranella cookbook is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely have to have a look into it because any different way of cooking game, I'm always up for it. <laughs> it's it's a really good um, cookbook. If, if what, What's that bookstore called in uh, QAB books or whatever ever they are? They they sell the Steve oh, yeah. Ranella cookbooks. Um, very, very good to get, get a hold of. It's got recipes from fish to ducks, deer, all sorts. And then it, yeah, uh, nice. Yeah, I'll know. definitely um, – I'll get you to send me a link or a photo of it and I'll um, definitely jump on that one. Definitely. Um, being on that subject, uh, do you have any tips for plucking birds? Fresh is always the best. So if you can, pluck them straight away. Um, basically, it's just easy to pull a bird's feathers out that way um, and it just – yeah, but obviously, doing it out on a swamp, dig a hole, put all the all the feathers in there. Um, it's easier than doing it at home where you've got feathers all over the kitchen sink and you got the wife screaming at you. Um, yeah, that's probably the best tip that I've got. Um, I know a few people do use hot wax for plucking birds. Um, I just haven't had the time um, to do it. I have seen them do it for the quail. They basically put in hot wax and pull it off, and it pulls off all the um, feathers. Yeah, wow. I'll have um, to look at that. I've I've never heard of that one. You know, I've seen the um yeah. the bucket with the drill with the um rubber paddles on it. You stick your 
your bird oh, in yeah, there yep, and yep, yep. plucks them that way. But um, yeah, I've, the the times I have. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try and send you a, a video of it. I, I, a few of the old timers. I know back in the early days they used to do it um, religiously with all the ducks when they used to shoot them when they had a twenty bag limit. They used to pull hot wax and rip the feathers off that way. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely interesting. Yeah. Way. What about um like organs on the birds? Do you get into the duck hearts and? Uh, not really, to be <laughs> honest. Um, yeah, nah, not really a big organ side of it. Like <laughs> I have cooked, I've cooked duck liver before. Yeah. But um, normally, yeah, the duck heart and liver and all that normally go to the dog. She doesn't mind eating it. Yeah, well, um, I think that's yeah, the best. Basically, yeah, I mainly just use the majority of the actual game meat. <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. I, I I love eating duck and quail, quail especially. Um, when I was in Mexico, we shot a few and cooked them up on the Argentine grill right over mesquite wood. It was the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you see the public views on hunting and hunters? Um, well, look, everyone has their own opinions and I'm, I'm happy for that. But, um, unfortunately a lot of the media attention is based against us hunters. Um, and obviously people that aren't involved in duck hunting or know what it's about sort of are all one track minded and they sort of just focus on what the media views are. As they do with most things. What about in your everyday life? Like, you know chatting with customers, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going out duck hunting. You know, how does how do you find people's reaction? I've had, over the years, I've had that many different reactions. Like, um, even just with the stickers that are on the back of my ute, I've had people flashing their lights and to- uh, tooting their horns and stuff like that that obviously aren't happy with it. <laughs> uh, I'm touch wood, they haven't done anything to the car, but everyone has their opinion, like, it's like anything. Like, I see people that say, um, like, horse racing should be banned or blah, 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 stickers and all that. Like, I, I'm not driving around like a lunatic trying to cut them off or anything. So I'm I'm happy that everyone has their opinions. Like, if someone asks me what I'm doing, I'm not afraid to say I'm going up duck hunting, um, I'm going away camping or whatnot because that's just what I do. So I'm in no way um, going to change what I do just to, ha- to keep someone else happy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so- and that's always how I've been. What about like you know? Do you find pe- anyone's curious on it? Like you have to, they ask more questions about it when you start talking to them. Uh, I have, yeah, yeah. I've definitely had some customers uh, in the past just ask basically what it's all about, uh, and then when you sort of explain your side of it, they say, "Oh, okay, I thought it was just you go out there and blast everything." And most of the bird game birds. Um, don't get shot and it's all the protected species. So I sort of justify and say, look, we go out there, we do tests, uh, we spend obviously money on game licensing plus travelling up there and all the stuff that we need to do. So we've got the legitimate licensing, go out there, we shoot a duck, we don't, we come back, we still go out and do it the next same, same weekend. It's what we do. It's like people that go out and play golf. Like they, it, It's their passion. That's what they do. Yeah, beautifully put. Um how would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? Uh, the first thing probably would be, and I know this gets targeted a bit, is the actual social media at the moment. Um, I noticed a lot of um, – there is a duck army 
hunting page that using duck hunters photos to sort of bad mouth what we do. So it's just basically the large amount of ducks, graphic photos. Um, I know probably with the deer hunting side of it and that stuff too, a lot of people do get um, told off or whatnot for, for having graphic photos. Um, and basically just sort of any sort of social media, is there anything that you slip up on, they'll, they'll pick on it straight away. Yeah. So, and then just as being hunters out there, just, just to make sure that um, we are doing the right thing each year, which is basically shooting on time, shooting our limits and nothing over, cleaning up after each hunt um, and just respecting others out there. It doesn't matter if they're GMA officers, police officers, they're there to do their job and basically, yeah, just so we've got nothing to sort of bad note us hunters with. Yeah, exactly. So going on from that, um, tell us about the charity work that you've been involved in. Yeah, so we, um, back in 2019, we were um, actually raising money for the Royal Children's Hospital. So we, um, as duck and quail hunting um, members i think we had six thousand members at the time um and basically we put it out there to the members if they wanted to um help out and raise some money for the royal children's hospital um basically i was thinking six thousand members everyone puts a dollar in it's about six grand that's a, a, it's not a lot of money but it, it is a, a bit of a difference for them to help out um so basically that went on for the 2019 season um and we ended up with just over $16,500 raised. That's amazing, man. So we had a check hander over, over there. Um, we actually had been, and I get emailed a lot um, the last few years. It's been very hard because of COVID to actually get out and do another one. But um, they're pushing to get us to raise more money for them, which is that is a good sign. So That's awesome. I'm basically, yeah, trying to tee up all hunting organizations, um, whether it be deer hunting, um, feral game hunting, pig hunting, duck hunting, quail hunting, and I'm going to try and get all of them to branch together and do another massive fundraiser so we can actually get a bit more money raised for them. Well, yeah, that'll be amazing. Um, let me know when it's going on and I'll, I'll no, do my best will, to yeah. share it around and pl- yeah, we'll plug it on the podcast. You know, no, we'll definitely, yeah. Get you back on, even if it's just for five minutes to let everyone up, know what's going on and what yeah, awesome yeah no, that's good. Yeah, if any way we can help, um, I'll just say, like, yeah, the more charity sort of work that we can do, um, the better it is for us. Um, they were open for all our um, money raised. So I was actually surprised I did get an email last year asking if we wanted to help out again. Um, unfortunately, during COVID, we couldn't do any fundraising events or even gatherings or anything because of the restrictions. Yeah, Victoria uh, copped it pretty Pretty we brutal. did cop it. Yeah, we had uh, travel restrictions. It was very hard to get out anywhere last year. Yeah, it's uh, definitely mental. Um, did did they say? And I think when you first approached them, because I'm assuming that you you did the fundraising on behalf of duck and hunt uh, duck and quail hunting Australia. Did they? Yep. Was there any hesitation from them to be involved? We, we did have a, a lineup of charities that we did ask. A few of them did turn their heads. Um, with the Royal Children's Hospital, they questioned it at the start. Um, and then basically we just – they obviously seen the large number of hunters that were 
passionate about it and that we were doing it and the money was gone straight into their account. It was no third party. It was just gone straight into um, GoFundMe to those guys. And then they came back at us and said, well, let's get it, let's get it happening. Um, and basically we even had a, a check handover at the Royal Children's Hospital at the time. That's amazing. Um, we're thinking of doing the same thing when we do the next um, fundraiser. Hopefully we can get it publicised. It was a little bit hard getting out um, any newspapers or media out there because they sort of turned a blind eye and they wouldn't come out there just on the whole hunting side of it. But I'm going to try to push for the next one that we do to get it um, media-rised. Just I reckon that will be a, a good helping hand. That would be, yeah, definitely awesome. Like I said, um, let us know and I'm, I'm sure I can uh, tee up the boys over at Send It Mate Podcast. I'm sure they'd be happy to help help yeah, promote it as no, well. I appreciate it now, yeah. Um, I've got someone like yourself, so I'm, I'm sure we can get something going, yeah. Uh, this is only a little podcast at the moment, but, uh, you know, a, a couple of listeners. Oh, you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> exactly, man, exactly. So just moving away from that, a little bit. Yeah. Um, banded birds, you see in the States that they're, you know, a massive thing. New Zealand, they're pretty popular. Yeah. Are they yeah. a big thing over here? No, we very rarely have any sort of banded birds over here. I know that they were trying to get a couple banded. Um, it's not like it is over in the States. Um, I know those guys over there, they freak for banded birds Um and basically, yeah, they, they go out on hunts for them. We don't have anything sort of like that over here. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's bit of banding going have... over New Zealand. But, yeah, we don't have too much of that over here at all. Yeah, one of the blokes in New Zealand I chat to quite regularly, I think he got two or three banded birds in one session the other weekend. So he was oh, uh, wow. he was he was pretty happy, happy about that. Oh, that, I can imagine, yeah. They have some uh, pretty cool duck duck hunting in their species. Um when I went over there a couple of years ago, it was end of April and, you know, you've seen all the um, paradise ducks out in the paddocks and just ducks everywhere. And oh, they would be full colour too at that time of year. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, they, they were beautiful. Like, it was just, you know, the, you know, when you see the mountain ducks here, you know, just a big, big bird. It was very similar with a lot of the species over there that I, you'd say you could see them from ages away compared to... Yeah, that's why they stand out a little bit. They do, they do. Um, what is hunting to you? The family tradition. Um, it always has been. Um, I'm the third genera- generation um, brought into hunting. Um, basically, that's, that's, that's what I live for, um, just to get out. Uh, basically, I've got... Like I said, I've got a 11-week-old boy that I want to continue in our traditions. So it's basically he's going to be brought up the way I was brought up um, and basically just following in the family tradition and the footsteps that I, I was brought up in. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, yeah, I've like I said, I've got a, I got a two-year-old and an almost eight-year-old. I try and, try and get them out, you know, the two-year-old. Well, I have seen, yeah, I, I have been following you and that that's basically people are going to be against it. But um, like I said, you're doing the right thing in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, I try, you know, I took the um, the eight-year-old soccer coach and his his son out the other day um, just for some target practice, you know. Um, the, 
the kids got to shoot the 22s and the um, soccer coach, I worked him up from the 22 up to the 300 and then the 12 gauge. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, nice. a, a city fella that's never shot any any firearms before, he got a definite kick out of that. He's been bugging me to go out spotlighting since. <laughs> yeah, like, like, do you know what I mean? If th- these people probably never been out bought out before and it's just like fortunate that he had someone like yourself to get him out there. Um and I'm sure, like, his kids had a ball as well as your kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the kids were collecting all the all the used shells and the yeah. <laughs> the shot, shotgun cartridges they, they thought was the best. Um, the soccer coach's kid took all the empty shells into show and tell the, on the Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about. I'm going to try, like I said, I'm going to try and introduce my one. Um, he's, I, I was probably in nappies when I started going out. I would have been two or three. Yeah, I would have uh, been the same. Yeah, really young, and I'll try do the exact same thing which my uh, grandfather, and my dad, did to me. Just get him out as much as he, as he can, get him outdoors, try and get him off the computer games and stuff like that, and just getting to appreciate being out there, um, and basically just getting him continuing the family tradition um, in hunting. Yeah, exactly. My uh, two-year-old, he would have been a week, maybe two, or maybe two weeks old. And I had him on a chest harness in the kitchen, butchering deer on the kitchen bench. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, I know it's it, it's sort of sentimental. Like um, I had, uh, he was yeah, he would have been two weeks um, when he was born, and I um, got the wife. I said, "Come on, get a photo with him on my lap with um, a couple of ducks and stuff like that." Um, he'll remember this because I've got the same photo when I was a baby, so I wanted to reenact it. Yeah, I think uh, you posted that photo up not not yeah, too long no, ago. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely got a good kick out of that. That's that's awesome. So yeah, it's I, I'm just hoping that duck hunting does continue, um, and I'm I'm going to try my best to push and fight to keep our season alive, at least for him to get his juniors permit, um, pass his wit test, which I'm sure he will because he <laughs> he'll probably be knowing the ducks. Um, by the age of six, all the different species. But I've, the, last year was the first year that I actually did a duck season submission um, just because I was like, if if we've got five or six submissions against duck hunting and maybe one or two for duck hunting, it's, it's going to be very hard to push forward in the future 100%. to get us. So I, I have been um, yeah trying my best to, to push for that, to continue the duck season. Yeah, well, we all got to band together, whether you're a deer hunter, hound hunter, whether you're – um, you know, just even a target shooter on the range, you know, we'll better s- support each other and help each other out because once they take out duck hunting, they're just going to move to hound hunting. Once they move to hound they hunting, they're they going to move to deer hunting. You know, they they chip away at us one one aspect at a time and and until it's gone. So we all got to back each other up. You know, like I said, I haven't done too much duck hunting, but. You sure as hell got my support, and I'll I'll fight to my last breath to oh, so that come over yeah down to Vic uh, and get out for a shot. Or next time we do shoot South Australia, um, I'll yeah I'll hit you up and you'll yeah, pretty sure you'll enjoy it. Oh, there's there's no doubt I, I I will enjoy it, man. You know, and I love every aspect of hunting, getting out, meeting new people. You know, that's kind of why I've started this podcast and gone with the name of what it is: Hunting Connection Podcast. You know. Yeah, no, beautiful. Connecting hunters from not just in Australia, but you know the states, Canada, New Zealand. I've like looking at the uh, charts. I've got people listening from Denmark and England and 
Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 that's what you want. You want to get the broad community all together. Um, as, look, Australian hunting doesn't really get brought around over the over the um, over the other states at all. Um, I know America over there, it's it's really um, red hot over there. But with Australia, like I get people messaging me from England from america and that saying oh we didn't really know that duck hunting was a big thing over there and they see a few posts and they're like oh we'll we'll sort of tune in now and um before you know it like yeah you get a few um inter- international um people messaging you that didn't even know that duck hunting was over here was a thing yeah i like i said i i chat to that that guy logan who um runs one season calls and there's a couple other guys i know in um california who um run run like they guide for geese hunts and duck hunts and all sorts of stuff you know they they absolutely love their waterfowl stuff and they've always got these questions they're like oh you know asking me how to get into waterfowl hunting over here i'm like look man i'm 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 not the person to (laughs) to ask if it didn't didn't tie like tie in with the hunting deer i'd be all over it <laughs> yeah gotcha yeah yeah uh, you'll pick it up like i'm pretty sure you'll get sort of intrigued with it all and yeah once you get out on a duck hunt or even a quail hunt um i'm pretty sure you'll you'll probably push to get out once or twice um a year after that definitely definitely um so junior licenses you touched on that what age do you have to be to get your your junior over in vic uh 12 years old junior permit yeah are you allowed uh, to take kids out in the wetlands younger out with you before they have? You can, but basically, um, obviously, they, they can't hold a firearm until they are 12 years of age. Awesome. So what about people with you? Do they have to have permits to be out with you duck hunting to be in the wetlands? Yes. Yeah, it, being in the wetlands during the duck season, you do have to still sit a wit test, uh, whether you're holding a gun or not holding a gun protesters are supposed to be doing the same because they're basically out there during the season um i know a lot of them don't, haven't sat there with tests at all there is a few that have but if you're out during the season during a duck season you have to hold a, a wit, um, test if you're out in the swamp awesome that that's a, a good point to point out i reckon um so i reckon we'll leave it there we'll come to the yep. end of the questions social media websites whatever else you want to plug yep yeah yep well i've got a couple now so i've got the facebook page um which what where it all started um first off it was just basically a couple mates made a facebook group and then i don't know we're on six and a half thousand members now yeah give us a quick rundown Um, when when did you start um duck and quail hunting australia uh it would have been back in 2013 um it was after a good season we had 2011 and 2012 was a really good duck season. Uh, a lot of the swamps that hadn't had water had water. Um, and basically just made a sort sort of a little group for a couple mates. And then, yeah, it was obviously a public group. And then blokes were sharing their success hunts, inviting other people onto the page. And then, yes, up until now, um, yeah, it's got it just keep growing and people always posting up hunts and stuff like that. Um, I have had to make the group private just because there is obviously a lot of aunties and stuff like that that try to get in and try and use the photo so it's been the last few years been a bit hard to regulate it but uh i'm trying to wipe out all the aunties and stuff like that off the page 
Yeah, it's a it's hard running a Facebook page, that's for sure. Um, but it is a, a well run page, and it's a a good group. I've been in it for a while now, and yeah, there's always awesome posts and photos and stories and all sorts. Yeah, yeah we try and run competitions during the year, just like yeah, junior hunting competitions, just to get everyone out there. Like the last two years has been a bit of a downside, just because people haven't been getting out because of the restrictions and all the COVID stuff. But um this year just trying to be pushing to get people out as much as they can no that's awesome so yeah um facebook what's your yep. instagram the same instagram duck and quail hunting australia um, i've also got i don't know if you've been on the website yep i was just on it tonight having a, having oh, a look so i have got the website which i've had up for probably about three years now um that's just basically people that don't have facebook or whatever just want a quick search a swamp that's open uh, what has water or stuff like that? There's blogs. There's um, a few product range on there. Um, I've got that there as well. That's awesome. Um, got a little hunters gallery, so people, if they want from the Facebook page, uh, ask to put their photo featured up on the website. Uh, we can do that. Um, and also, I've got the a YouTube channel linked to it as well, which I've just started to get back into action um, the last couple of weeks. Awesome. So I'll just, have to check yeah, that one out. But, I'd- I haven't seen that one, so I'll have to go subscribe once yeah. we're done here. <laughs> I'm just trying to get, just trying to get a bit of footage of what we do, what it's all about um, down here in well Victoria. Um, there is a, actually there is a South Australian clip from two years ago on one of them, so that was shooting out of layup lines, um, mountain ducks out of layup lines over in South Oz. So Sweet. just different sort of footages. Basically, I might even do a, a, a camping sort of um, clip now and then just to get us um yeah basically seen and heard no that's 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 wicked man um so if anyone wants to reach out have any questions on you know if they're from victoria how to get into it if they're coming from interstate to hunt victoria or international or just any other duck and quail hunting um questions do they just reach out to you through the through the group um insta Email if they've got, the like, there's a broad, yeah, I've got a broad range. If they want to go on the website, yeah, au, they can send me a, a message on there. Um, if they've got Facebook, obviously send a message through Duck and Crow Hunting Australia Facebook. Um, even if they look up Duck and Crow Hunting videos on YouTube and I pop up, they're happy to send a message through there as well. And I'm always more than happy to talk to, um, to anyone in regards to Duck and Crow Hunting related stuff, always happy to have a chat. Awesome, man. Um, I'm glad you you jumped on the podcast. I've I've learned a lot, and yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely it. keen to get it. I'm um, sort of was in shock when you said, "Oh, we'll do it this week." I was like, "All right, let's um, get it happening." So yeah, no, yeah, I really sweet. appreciate your time and all the effort you put into them. No, all good, man. I appreciate yours, and um, hopefully this uh, gets a bit more positive light out on duck and quail hunting in Australia, and you know, hopefully there's a few international guys that are hitting you up. <laughs> wanting to swap oh, I'm hoping yeah I'm always happy to have a talk so yeah <laughs> yeah sweet um, you know I know a few of the uh, Kiwi boys want to get over here and shoot some foxes so I'm sure they'll they'll trade you some paradise oh, ducks oh might be able to swap them yeah, <laughs> swap for over there yeah awesome man thank you very much I appreciate it thanks again all good mate thank you for listening please find us on social on our social media Instagram, our Hunting Connection podcast. 
Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, and Twitter at Hunting Connect. Also, please subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Give us a rate, a review, share with your friends. Thank you. Yes.